We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Apostolic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. 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 John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah or are, that we we're expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. Tell him, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Father, we thank you that we're able to be together today, both in person and online. Thank you so much for the powerful moment of worship that we are able to have together. God, we're placing our hope in you uh, in this day, in this service, and in this series as we're looking at the Apostles' Creed, at what we all believe collectively as a church. And where there's gaps in our belief, God, would you help us overcome our unbelief? And as we're looking into what we have heard and seen, we'll open our, our ears and our eyes even now to see this, to understand this, and ultimately to respond to you. Have your way in the rest of this service, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you guys know who John the Baptist is? We're going to talk about him just for a moment. John the Baptist is actually the first major witness to testify that Jesus is the Messiah. And it, there was actually prophecy about John the Baptist. And so when he showed up on the scene, he was the one that the prophet said would clear a way for the Lord's coming, make the, the path straight for him. And the way John the Apostle talks about him is this in the, the first chapter of, of his gospel. It says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. And who is the light? Jesus so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. A little later in that chapter, it says, John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Because this is the Messiah. He's always existed. He is the Son of God, and he's testifying to this. And later in the chapter, he says, though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And he's sharing the humility. Many people even thought John the Baptist might be the Messiah. And here he is. He's saying, no, no, I'm not. I'm not even worthy. Yet here he is saying this. And then later he says, the next day, John, he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, or some translations say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one that I was talking about. 
And then when it comes to the baptism of Jesus, which is recorded in each of the gospel accounts, John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. And then maybe one of the most famous passages or chapters for Christians is chapter 3 of John. But a little later than that fa- famous passage, that famous verse, John says this. His, his disciples, John had disciples too that were working with him and for him and baptizing people. And all of a sudden, they're saying, you know, this Jesus whom you baptize, he's, he's actually getting more followers than you are. And all of a sudden, John's challenged because his ministry is being eclipsed by the ministry of Jesus. But this is how he responds. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And this key verse that I'd like us all to consider today, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. But why was John in prison based on that first, that opening passage that that I read? How did he get in in prison. If everyone loved him and and he's this one preparing the way for Jesus, what happened? Well, Mark, how many of you have been following along in our our Lent reading? It's been awesome to have so many different people read to us and for us. And you can read as an individual, but I think there's something powerful in getting to listen and and hear the word of God and do that together. Well, in Mark chapter 6, this is what we learn. Herod, Herod Antipas, that is, He had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. And John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John, and knowing he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. In some of my study, people assume that Herod actually, while John was in prison, he would go to him and have his own private kind of time to hear what John had to say. And then when it disturbed him enough, because here's a holy man who is filled with the Holy Spirit sharing the truth, it would disturb Herod, yet he liked him, he respected him, but that's enough for today, and then, and then he would go. So all of a sudden, John's in prison, and that opening passage now makes sense to us, even though we had just read that he's the one that had been testifying. This one who comes after me, he's actually greater than I am because he existed far before I did. And in the baptism story, yeah, God told me, he whispered to me that the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend and rest, that's the one. And he said, I saw that. So he is, I'm testifying, Jesus is the one. But all of a sudden, he's behind bars. We don't know exactly what this might look like, but I bet you could imagine he's in prison. He can't see anymore. So he has this tension in his faith where all of a sudden, it seems like he's beginning to doubt. And so he asks, his disciples, can you imagine asking someone to go to Jesus? Um, Jesus, uh, I don't know how to ask this. John told me to come and 
Just see, you know, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Now think about that just for a moment because John's identity was foretold and his whole purpose in life was to be a witness and to testify to who the Messiah is. And who did he testify to? Jesus. And so all of a sudden, if Jesus isn't who he thinks he is, then his life has no purpose. He has no identity unless he is the Messiah, but he's, he's worried, he's, he's doubting. And so in this moment, this is what the disciples ask. And so Jesus could have just responded, yes, I am, yes, of course. But no, he did something a little different. And as we read earlier, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. All of a sudden, his disciples are a witness to testify to John, where he was the one that originally testified for so many people. And what have they heard and seen? And you can think of this. This is another question for us to wrestle with today is what do you hear? What do you see? What have you heard and what have you seen? The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. What Jesus is answering here is that these things that are going on all around you that you've heard of and that you can see, this is the work of the Messiah. So rather than just coming out and saying, yes, you're right, you can stop looking, he's saying, look around at what you're hearing and seeing. And that's maybe all John needed to confirm. We're not sure of how it ended, but... What we understand is that it didn't end well uh, for John, unfortunately. We're not going to read the entire passage, but just what happened shortly after John was killed in prison, his disciples buried, they took his body, buried it, and then they went and told Jesus that it had happened. And these two verses are, are key. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Why? Because he needed to grieve. John's a, a distant relative of him. He's the first one to testify, to witness that he is the Messiah. He really set up. He paved the way for Jesus' ministry to even begin. And Jesus needs some time alone to, to grieve for his, his friend, this person that set up this ministry, the one that baptized him, the one that is his distant cousin. And as he's going to this remote area to be alone, you know what happened. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed him on foot from many towns because they thought, well, if he's the Messiah, he can heal. If he's the Messiah, he can cure me. He can forgive me. He can do all of this for me. And Jesus saw a huge, a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And the last part of this verse is something that helps us believe that Jesus really is who he said he is. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. What would you expect a Messiah to do? Here he is. He's the one that actually probably needs compassion in this moment, yet he is having compassion on them. And in another account, it actually says that the people were like sheep without a shepherd. And so the Messiah, Jesus, is really that good shepherd who felt, I need to care for these people. Even though he needed a moment for himself in his humanness, here he is being the Messiah and confirming the things that John's disciples and many others had heard and seen. Can you believe this? I think about Peter when I think about the identity of Jesus, that question that, that came up 
it was posed actually Jesus asking the question, who do people say that the son of man is? And he's a little bit vague in that. He's not initially talking about himself or is he? It's hard to tell. But then he says, well, some say John the Baptist, because after John had died, many people had this thought, well, maybe John, who we all know and love and, and, and believed in and trusted in his ministry and everything, maybe he's risen from the dead. Maybe that's the new thing that God's doing. And, and so maybe that's him. Or, or maybe it's Elijah, a prophet of old. Or maybe it's Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But this is what people were saying. Maybe, maybe this Jesus is one of these people. But then the question Jesus asked Peter directly is, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So in that moment, Peter believes not just what other people have said or guessed, but looking at the face of Jesus, Peter, one of the apostles, in which this, this creed that we talk about and call the Apostles' Creed is, is after one of these apostles. And here he is saying that this Jesus is the Messiah. He's spent all this time with them. He had seen, he had heard, and all of a sudden he's, he's convinced that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So I want to talk about belief for a moment. Perhaps also in our, our study in Mark, you've, you've come across that kind of time where this father, he wants Jesus to heal his son, to help his son. But the problem is, and maybe you remember this interaction, he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. This is what he says to Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can? Because he's trying to get the point across as well. If I actually am who I say I am, then of course I can do this. What do you mean? But he says this, anything is possible, possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Have you ever been there? You, you do believe, but you're, you have a gap where you feel like you're actually not believing enough. You're not placing your trust enough in Jesus. And this is kind of the, the humanness, the, the vulnerability, the authentic part that's shared in this gospel account. First with John the Baptist. You know, can you believe his doubt after he had testified that Jesus is the one? Well, he's human, and all of a sudden, like us, we have doubts. And this father, he, he needs someone to help his son. Only Jesus can. And then he realizes, I, I do believe, but there's a gap there. Can you help me overcome my unbelief? This is powerful. But what I debated sharing with you today is that belief is actually not enough. Did you know James, the brother of Jesus, think about this for just a moment, what would your sibling have to do to convince you that they're the son of God? Think about that. James, though, does end up believing that Jesus is who he said he is. But he shares this with us in his letter. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and tremble in terror. And here's what we learn in the Synoptic Gospels, meaning Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's these different accounts where someone is possessed and Jesus goes to, to help them. And what do they do? Well, they, they speak to Jesus. They know who he is. In Matthew, they call him the Son of God. They, they know who he is. In Mark's account, he's a son of the Most High God. And then in Luke, it says, I know who you are. Jesus, you're the Holy One of God. But belief is not enough. 
we actually have to surrender to Jesus. We have to surrender. It actually takes actions. If you continued reading in James, which you could do later, he talks about Abraham and, and he believes and, and God counts it as righteousness to him. But it wasn't just faith as in a belief, it was faith as in an action. He was willing to trust God and we need to trust him, not just and say that we, we believe, but actually do something about it. So it's not enough just to believe, we actually have to surrender our life to him. If you think about John and his identity, there was a huge crisis, and maybe this is where the doubt came in, because if you think about it, if Jesus isn't who he says he is, as I mentioned earlier, then who is John? Because he testified that this is the Messiah. So everything that scripture foretold about, about John setting up and paving the way for the Messiah, if Jesus isn't him, then John's life had no purpose. What is his identity beyond being this prophet to pave the way for the Messiah? But in his doubt, I think that we can see the humanity that many of us face where we believe, but maybe there's a crisis of faith. Maybe for some reason, there's a moment where I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe there's a moment where you've doubted and maybe you were even ashamed of that. But in this moment, call me a millennial, but I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that John the Baptist was vulnerable, that he was authentic to share. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? But remember Jesus' response. What have you heard and what have you seen? Now, John might not have been able to see in that moment. He had seen before. Maybe he had to be reminded. But his disciples were seeing all that the Messiah was up to. And they were able to go back and testify and witness to him. And so week one was uh, Pastor John sharing with us that we believe in God, and we believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Father Almighty, who is creator of heaven and earth. And this week is, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And so we believe in Christ, who is the only Son, who is Lord. And so as we're thinking about this, what I'm trying to convince you of is that because of the testimony of, of a few different people here, that I, I think we can believe that there is only one Christ and it's Jesus. That there is only one Son of God, it's Jesus. That there is only one Lord. And remember, maybe the shortest creed of all John, Pastor John shared with us one time is that Jesus is Lord. It's as simple as that. That really sums it up. He is the Lord. The way I like to think of it is that he is the King but I've heard an author say that it's not enough to just take the gospel and, and, and think of it as choosing to follow some advice or a set of rules, but it's actually about being called to follow a king. And so there's action. You can believe, I think honestly, that uh, there, there wouldn't be really a credible scholar that would say that Jesus didn't exist, as in the person of Jesus. I think we're, we're convinced that Jesus existed. But the testimony of the people and the apostles are that he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord. So it's not just about did he exist. It's if that's who he is, who he said he is, then what are you going to do about it? Are you willing to surrender your life to him? We're about to sing a song uh, about this, that we believe in you. We believe you rose again, and we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not enough just to believe, but to act on this. I want to talk to you just about uh, the last little bit here about John the Apostle. And I want to share something at the end of his account. He shares the purpose of his book. 
And here's what I like about this. Again, talking about this series being the Apostles' Creed. Well, here's John, the disciple, apostle, someone who was face-to-face with Jesus. And what I've noticed is that he didn't just learn from Jesus. He leaned, literally leaned on Jesus. If you think about what's coming up, Good Friday, and just before Good Friday, we think about the Last Supper. Well, think about John in that context for a moment as they were all reclined around a table, kind of sitting and and lying on one another as they're taking what we consider the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. What happens? Well, John's leaning, literally leaning on Jesus. So he didn't just hear, he didn't just see from a distance, but he was up close, face to face with the one who he claims to be the Messiah. Can you believe this? This is what he shares at the end of his account. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book, which is the Gospel of John. But these are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have power in his name. He believes it. He spent time there. He was even there at the cross next to Jesus' mother, Mary. He saw uh, he witnessed what happened to Jesus and, and maybe in that moment thought for, for, for just a second that maybe it's all for naught, but he actually saw the risen Christ. This is what he claims, and so he wants you to continue believing or maybe believe for the first time. And the last two verses of this helps me to believe. This is John, again, writing, saying, this disciple, he's speaking of himself, is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Why? Because he was an eyewitness. And that's the whole point here. He saw, he heard, and he was face to face with Jesus. And the very last verse is interesting. He says, Jesus did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Because they had seen, they had heard so much of what Jesus had done. And so why do I believe? Well, it's not just a a blind faith that I believe in John's testimony. And I think if anything, that moment of doubt in that prison cell helps me to believe him all the more because he didn't just go in and of course this is who he said he is. He was challenged with his faith and he needed a moment for his disciples to find out, is he really, is Jesus really who he said he is? And the answer was, well, We've, we've heard and we've seen, we, we witnessed all that the Messiah has done. He must be the one. And if that's true, we must believe in him. We must put our faith, not just our belief, but we must put our action into surrendering to him. But as I mentioned, Jesus is Lord. He is the king. But that doesn't make you just a servant. It actually makes you a son or a daughter. Because John also shares in that first chapter of his account that for all who receive him, all who accept him, He gives them the right to become a child of God. And so your identity actually changes. If you've ever been similar to John and wondered, well, who who am I? And you think about, well, if you were meeting someone for the first time, you might share maybe your job title or something like that. Well, that's just what you do. And you might share some other things about yourself. Well, that might just be your citizenship or, or your marital status or whatever it is. But deep down, who we are because of Jesus is a child of the king. That's what's different about this gospel. And Jesus has 
appeared to John the Baptist and John the Baptist when he shares his testimony. We can believe the account of the baptism is in each of the gospel accounts and so we can believe this. And then John the Apostle being face to face and literally leaning on Jesus. I can believe in his testimony because he actually got to meet him face to face. This is what I believe. This is what the church believes. And so my challenge, is this what you believe? And if you do, what will you do about it? We're about to sing uh, about this, this great king. This is what we believe. Now let's put our faith in him.